Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hello. We'll be practicing the rule of life. We'll breathe out all everything that hinders in this moment and we'll breathe in the presence of God. And I'll read from the devotional. Let's do that first. Let's breathe out. Every angst, angst and anxiety, everything that hinders us from being present in this moment and hearing the Lord. And let's breathe in the presence of God, the work of God, the faithfulness of God, and the mercies of God today. Speaking in the voice of God, let me bless you with my grace and peace. Open your heart and mind to receive all that I have for you. Do not be ashamed of your emptiness. Instead, view it as the optimal condition for being filled with my peace. Amen? Okay. Hello, hello. Good afternoon, everybody. How's everybody doing today? You guys can sit, sit down. I'm the only one that has to stand throughout the whole thing today. Okay. Um, as we're entering a new year, a lot of times we like to look forward to the things that we're expecting, the things that are going to change through the new year. And sometimes we're looking ahead with excitement at the changes that are going to happen. And sometimes we're looking with a little bit of dread at like, ooh, I don't know what's going to happen this year. And also sometimes at the beginning of the year, we like to look back. We like to reflect on the year that just passed and maybe even the years before that. And we see the course of how life has taken us over the last few years, remembering the good times, the good old days, maybe even getting stuck in a little bit of good old nostalgia. Um, I think Doc has mentioned this once before, but the word nostalgia comes from a combination of Greek words that mean both homecoming and sorrow or despair. And it may sound weird, like nostalgia, usually that's a good thing. Why does it uh, contain sorrow and despair? But it's usually because when we look at things in nostalgia, it's usually we're missing the good things of the past, the good old days, the way things used to be when things were nicer and easier and simpler and things like that. And we're sorry that we're not in those good old days anymore. And nostalgia can be a really strong thing to take hold on us. I mean, Hollywood is definitely figured that out with the way they keep releasing legacy sequel movies, things like Top Gun, and I'll be honest, I am totally excited for the next Ghostbusters movie to come out later on this year. And even the music industry loves uh, when a band gets back together and, and tickles that nostalgia bug of yours. If I told you guys that actually next month, Boys to Men is actually gonna be playing on Staten Island, how many of you guys would be interested in going? I know some person, one person, a couple of people. All right, I'm not just talking to the older people here. There are some people that would like that. Um, I showed you guys last month my picture of Christmas ornaments, and a lot of those things, they hit my nostalgia bug, the things of when I was a kid. And these conjure up great memories and uh, in some ways kind of a longing for the past. But sometimes when we get stuck in nostalgia, 
we start to think about how good it was back then when we were a kid, when Saturday morning was for waking up and watching cartoons and not for getting ready for the next week or getting ready for work or college or tests. Heck, maybe for some of us, thinking about going back to college is a bit of nostalgia for us because we don't want to go back to work. We'd rather be in college, which is much simpler. And honestly, even in our faith, sometimes we can get nostalgic for the old days. I have a habit of storing a lot of old photos on my computer at home. So let's put these first two pictures up. These two pictures are from all the way back in 2011 when we had office space in Staten Island where some of the guys that were on staff used to live together and they had rotations of who was playing Skyrim at 4 o'clock in the morning on the PlayStation 3. And we used to have yard sales in the, uh, in the parking lot to raise money for the church. Let's go to the next picture. This one is from... 2012 when we had office space on Fifth Avenue right across the street from the New York Public Library and we used to do all of our small groups from there and we would be out there till sometimes 10 30 11 o'clock at night I gotta admit I don't miss taking the express bus home at 11 o'clock at night anymore I, I like the uh, the zoom small groups a little bit but in some ways it was so nice having everybody all together at one time and let's put the, uh, the next picture up. This is something that me personally, I miss a lot. Shuttling all of the staff guys around in my car where we could just, you know, on the way into church or going to another event or whatever, before everybody was married, before everybody had kids, we could all just pile in my car and just talk about life together. This one is the most recent, and this is still from 2014. This is almost 10 years ago. It's incredible how, you know, Life has changed since then. And sometimes you start to think, wow, living faith was a little bit easier back then. Things were simpler back then. We get caught in that nostalgia. As we go through different stages of life, it's not uncommon to look back and say, wow, things used to be so much simpler back then. It used to be so much easier before we had jobs and responsibilities, before we had families and kids. And honestly, if we looked at the past too long, if we stay staring at it too long, we start to think that the best times are behind us, that the things ahead of us, it's just too difficult. It's too complicated. It's too messy. And we get lost in the past. We start to feel that nostalgia and that sorrow of the nostalgia. And again, it sometimes is the same way in our walk with faith too. We think oh, following Christ was so much easier before I had extra responsibilities, before I had this going on, before I had that going on. I remember, I don't have the picture, I neglected to put it up there, but I have a picture of me carrying stuff to a day in the sun back when I had no problem taking like four or five trips up those massive stairs on 106th Street carrying gear and then we'd stay out till like 9, 10 o'clock at night, maybe even midnight. We'd be talking about the deep things of life and then taking people home to different boroughs at 2 o'clock in the morning because back then I didn't care. I can call in sick from work tomorrow. That's no problem. Nowadays, I'm not as young as I used to be. Don't you laugh because you guys aren't as young as you used to be either. But I'm not as young as I used to be. I can't lift the way I used to, and I can't call in sick the way I used to because now I'm the guy that people call in sick to, and I'm the one that's stuck making sure things work when everybody else calls in sick. You can kind of hear it in my voice, right? It used to be so much easier back then, right? 
But the thing is, just because we look back and say, oh, it used to be so much easier, that doesn't mean that it's impossible for us to live our faith. It doesn't mean it's impossible for us to do wild things, crazy things, in creating a community for people to come to know Christ. Doc was talking about it last week, and he's going to be talking about it more, about how we're here to make a community that helps one another turn to Christ and live for Christ, where we can create that community where others can have that epiphany of who God is in their lives, and to help people be real in their faith and grow in Christ. And as we change in the circumstances of life, yes, sometimes we will say, oh, man, it feels like I can't do it the way I used to anymore. That doesn't mean that it's impossible to continue. It doesn't mean that you have to do things the way you've always done them. But sometimes God leads us into changes in circumstances so that we can live our faith in a new way in the midst of those changing circumstances. And that's what we're going to tackle today. We want to talk about how some of those changes actually can help our witness for Christ. That we're not stuck in the nostalgia of, oh, my best days are behind me, whether it's in the natural or in living a wild, crazy, outrageous life for Christ that impacts the people around us. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 17 and talk about this today. And when we go to Acts chapter 17, Paul is on one of his many missionary journeys, and he's trying to preach the gospel in Athens. Now, Paul is not new at this. He has been at this for a while, and he's kind of got his routine. He's got his kind of set course of how he does things. He goes into a town. He finds the Jewish synagogue. He starts speaking with the Jews about how Jesus is the Messiah. This is the one who has been promised. This is the one who is here to redeem us for our sins, to bring us eternal life. And as he would speak to the Jews in the synagogue, if they weren't very receptive, he would say, fine, you guys don't want to hear? I'll talk with everybody else. And he would go out into the marketplaces and he would talk to the Gentiles and he would start to reach to them. So even in that, he has a change. He starts with one thing. If things don't go to plan, he starts talking to other people. Now, when he comes to Athens, it's a whole new ballgame because Athens is just full of people who are interested in all kinds of different things. And everywhere he looks, there is a new temple to a new god, lowercase g god, and he is just aghast at this. This is out of his wheelhouse. This is out of his comfort zone. This is something different to him and challenging. It's certainly not what he's used to. And as we look up there, it says that he started to talk with different philosophers, the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers. And maybe you guys don't know what, what those kind of philosophies are. They are very wildly different, not only from who Paul would normally talk to, but they're wildly different from one another, too. The Epicureans were all about a more human experience, the good things in life, the enjoyable things of life, especially when it came to food and comfort. Religion really wasn't an important thing so much as finding the next wonderful human experience. They would definitely be the people on Instagram and TikTok taking pictures of all of their food and all of their vacations and things like that. On the other hand, we have the Stoics who were all about virtue, all about ethics, all about principles and morals, and stopping the destructive human emotions. For them, God was in everything and was everything and was nature, and it was very, you know, God is all around the universe. Not so much that God is a person 
that wants to have a relationship with you. So again, very wildly different from what Paul was used to dealing with, very wildly different from each other. It's like getting in a room with three different people that have no clue how to communicate with each other. And again, for Paul, the Pharisee among Pharisees who lived his whole life in service to Yahweh, to the one true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, this is way out of his wheelhouse. This is a significant change from the days when he was just a Pharisee, sitting in his little bubble in the synagogue, talking about the scriptures with everybody that was on the same page. And at some point while he's doing this, he's probably thinking, man, life used to be so easy when I was just talking with the other Pharisees. Or maybe he was saying, man, life was easy, so much easier before I got knocked off my horse on the way to Damascus. And I had that intimate revelation, that epiphany of who Jesus Christ was. But even in that, he had been experiencing changes in his life. From his old life all the way back to his new life, he had massive changes in how he understood God. From the Old Testament God to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Massive change. And he learned to adapt to that. He went from the Pharisee among Pharisees who defended God and who persecuted Christians to becoming a Christian himself. Going from one who only stood in his kind of little bubble of religion to one who would go out and be the apostle to the Gentiles. To the one who had no clue who Yahweh was, who had no clue who God was, who thought there was a God for, you know, the sun and the moon and the stars and the cups and all of sorts of things. And this was the change that he faced in his life, a change in how he was accomplishing his mission for Christ. And when you read through the rest of the passage here and even further into the chapter, you see that Paul doesn't hold on to his old way of doing things. He doesn't just rationalize using the Jewish scriptures, but he even adapts his way of speaking so that the Greeks can understand it. He even uses their own philosophers' words to help them understand. You're worshiping something you don't even know. There is something more to this. You have an altar to an unknown God. This is what I'm talking about so that he could change how he approached mission, how he approached reaching out to other people and preaching the gospel, and he could bring it to them on their level. And he was able to do all of this throughout his life because he had been experiencing changes. Like I said, he had a massive change on the road to Damascus where he had that epiphany of who Jesus was. He adapted and he learned more and more. He didn't just stay stagnant in how his life was. He didn't just look back in nostalgia and say, oh, it was much better back then. But he took the changes and the challenges that God brought his way, and he used all of that for his mission, all of that for his calling of bringing people into knowledge of Christ, making disciples of all nations. And even though life became difficult for him, and as you read through Paul's stories in the Acts of the Apostles and all the epistles, you see Paul led a very difficult life. But in all of those challenges, in all of those changes, he kept moving forward. He kept pressing on, and he used that for his mission. So this is the first thing that I want to point out today. When you're faced with changing circumstances as life, is this. If we can put that point up. One of the only constants in the universe is change. We have to become adaptable, and we have to grow. Now, I know, some people don't like to do change. Believe me, I'm one of them. I hate change, but it is a natural part of life. It is something that we will face every day. Life is going to change 
on you. Circumstances are going to change. Sometimes they're going to be great things. Sometimes you're going to find that special someone. You're going to start a family. You're going to move on to a new job with great coworkers. You're going to start making more money, and life is going to be great. And sometimes there are going to be ways that aren't as pleasant. Friendships are lost. Our careers take a downturn. Sometimes, heck, we experience a global pandemic that really shakes things up. That was a lot of fun, right? Changes are going to happen, and we don't have the luxury of saying, well, I preferred the way things used to be. Saying that isn't going to bring things back. But in faith and in the natural, we all have to learn how to deal with change and learn how to adapt. But again, one of the great things about becoming adaptable in the changes that we experience in life is that very often God uses those changes and our adaptations to grow us so that the changes that we experience, we can use that for other people, even in the traumas, even in the moments. And I, I was telling this to uh, Ramey and Lissette uh, a couple of weeks ago at a Rangers game. She asked me what was one of my worst days at work, you know, one of my craziest days at work. And I told her the story about me getting a concussion. And that was a terrible, awful change. But in the midst of that, it taught me how to forgive, as I preached about a couple of weeks ago. And it let me be a resource person for others who were hurt. So even in those changes, I can be a light to others. And God was using it to change me and grow me. This is what happens when we learn how to grow and learn how to adapt as God is leading us through the changes in life. Now, I'm going to go on to the next point before I tie it all together, but I do want to ask you guys to really think about this. Are you resistant to change? Are you the kind of person that does get stuck in that, man, life used to be so much easier, and you get stuck in a way? I want to invite you guys to learn to grow, to learn to change, to learn to adapt, to see every change in life as an opportunity that God is using to grow you, to make you more than you are today. Because as much as we might want to think, you know, life is good right now or life was good in the past, that's not the end point of life. None of us here are perfectly set. We're not, you know, this is not the peak of who we're going to be. There are going to be changes in our lives. If, especially if we learn how to adapt and grow with them, where we will become more, especially as God leads us, especially as he shows us his path, his will for our lives. We will grow and we will change and we will become more like Christ. And we can use that to help others on their journey with Christ, whether they're just starting their journey or whether they're already on that journey and we're helping create that community, that safe but not soft community, as Doc talked about it last week. So I want you guys to think about that. Are you resistant to change? Has there been changes in your life where you feel mugged by reality and it's taken the wind out of you? I want to encourage you guys to work through those changes and say that God is actually using this and he can do something wonderful in me and through me through these changes. Now we already talked about how this was kind of a different situation for Paul and it was probably very challenging for him, but if we can go down here um, to the next section of scripture. And I'm going to have to pull my phone out because this is not working. But that's okay. We adapt and we change and we roll with the punches, right? Yeah. That's how we do. So Paul is taken by the Athenians and they say, come, we want to hear more about this. And we read it in verse uh, 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around 
and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. So we see how Paul tackled this change in his circumstance, this change in what he was presented with. He went at it head on. He did not hesitate. He just went with it. He rolled with the punches, and he kept on his mission, on his calling to preach the gospel, and that's exactly what he did. And even though it's to a wildly different audience than who he's normally used to preaching to, he uses his ability to change, his ability to read the room, to adapt, and he brings the gospel to them. And again, as you go through the chapter, you see how he makes an impassioned plea to the Athenians. And it's called um, Paul's Sermon on Mars Hill. It's a very famous sermon of his. In fact, you can even go to Greece right now, and you can go to the Areopagus, and you can see a plaque with his entire speech on it and everything like that. It's a very famous thing. And it works. He stays on point with his mission, even though there's changing circumstances, even though it's different, it's not what he's used to, it's something new. He rolls with it and he continues on, and then we read in verses 32 and on, as he finishes his, his sermon to them, when they heard about the resident of when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Oropagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So even though he had to change his methods a little, he had to adapt a little bit to a new way of reaching his audience, he stayed faithful to the call that Christ had given him to make disciples of all nations. He kept on point with that mission of his. Now, just because we've witnessed to people in one way or another in the past, just because we've lived faith in one way or another in the past, doesn't mean that we're stuck in that way of doing it. And just because our circumstances and our situations change, doesn't mean that we're stuck and we stop witnessing. We adapt to new ways of witnessing. We adapt to new ways of bringing the gospel to others, of living the gospel in our lives and showing that to other people. We've been doing that here over the past couple of years. I mentioned the great big uh, global pandemic of 2020. I don't think anybody's ever gonna forget about that anytime soon, but you guys saw how we did. When we weren't able to have in-person services anymore, we switched right over to an all online model. We started encouraging people to safely and as they felt comfortable gather in small groups to still worship together. We stopped having small group in person. We started doing it on Zoom. And then later on, we started doing our monthly days in the sun until we could start getting back together here. And here we are, mostly back to normal. We rolled through the changes. We kept on point. We kept on mission. We kept on living that calling that God had for us in the midst of changing circumstances, in the midst of the challenges. We kept moving forward on that. And this is my second point here, how we can still live our faith when we have changing circumstances. This is what we need to remember. If we can put that up. There may be changes in circumstances, but there is no change in calling. That calling, 
that mission that Christ has for us, to make disciples of all nations, for us to create a community where people can turn to Christ and live for Christ, that doesn't change. Even though our circumstances change, even though the things that we can and can't do may change, even though things may be more difficult in some ways, and we may not be able to do our faith the same way that we used to, 5, 10, 15. For me, like I, I, I said to a couple of people, it's been over 20 years that I've been here. It's been a massive, massive change in how I've done faith, and it's all been for the better. But that's what we do. We remember that there is no change in calling, even though there are changes in circumstance. We stay on that calling. We stay on that mission. We adapt and we grow through it. Uh, one of my favorite books, if we can put this picture up, sorry Helen, I know I went out of order on you. One of my favorite books is The Martian by Andy Weir, and it is a great movie. It is an even better book. Uh, Mark Watney is an astronaut on a mission to Mars, and something terrible happens, and then he becomes the lone astronaut on Mars. And his mission goes from just staying on Mars for about 30 days to trying to survive for well over a year on a deserted planet and wait for rescue to come to him. Massive change in his circumstances, massive change in what he has to work with, but his mission stays the same to survive and get home. And one of the things that the movie has um, that is better than the book, a little bit of a spoiler, there is a happy ending, he does get home at the end, but um, he speaks to a class of astronauts uh, at the end, and he says, one of the questions that I always get asked, when I was stranded up there by myself, did I think I was gonna die? Yes, absolutely. And that's what you need to know going in, because it's gonna happen to you. This is space. It does not cooperate. At some point, everything's going to go south on you. Everything's going to go south. And you're going to say, this is it. This is how I end. Now you can either accept that or you can get to work. That's all it is. You just begin. You do the math. You solve one problem. Then you solve the next one. And then the next. And if you solve enough problems, you get to come home. That's what he says to that class of astronauts. And in a very similar sense, for us, life does not cooperate. There are going to be times when things change and very possibly when things go south for us. That's when we can lean on God to help us, to help adapt us, and to go. We do the math figuratively. We solve the problem. And beyond that, when it comes to that mission of helping others turn to Christ and live for Christ, even when our circumstances change, we stay on that mission. We do the math. We solve the problem, and then the next, and then the next. And if we work with God to solve that problem, we may get to see someone else come home to God's house. Now, again, it's not always a guarantee. I'm not saying that if you're working the problem and it doesn't work, you did something wrong. Life happens. Sometimes... It's just about putting the effort regardless of the results. But it is that call to us to put in that effort, to be on that mission, even in the spite of our changing circumstances. So maybe you're in a tough work experience right now. Maybe that's your opportunity to say, how can I be a representative to Christ in a toxic workplace? Maybe you're working 50, 60 hours a week. Believe me, I know a little something about that from a couple of years back. And my question was, how do I still make time 
for the people that I care about? How do I still make time to spend time with the people that I'm on this faith journey with? How do I still reach out to the ones that are still beginning that faith journey? Maybe you're a new parent. Maybe you're still trying to figure out how do I deal with these 2 a.m. feedings that are leaving me just completely knocked out at the, at the rest of the day. Who do I lean on in these moments? Maybe you're one of those parents that are already past those 2 a.m. feedings, and you're the one that can say, hey, I know how you can get through this, and I can help you get through this. This one resonates for me personally. Um, most of the people I know, They've moved on from that bachelor life to married life, to family life. How do I still spend time with them? How do I still represent Christ to them? How do I do faith with people in different circumstances? And sometimes it's a matter of, you know what? I actually have more free time that I can put out towards other people to be more intentional about that. Maybe even let them get a night off somewhere else so that they don't have to deal with the kids for a night to just enjoy life for a little bit. Um, all these different ways that we can say, you know what, I do have a changing circumstances, but I can still be on that mission. I can still reach out to other people. I can still help others on that journey towards Christ and living for Christ. I mean, heck, we tease Paul sometimes because he's in the back and he's got Prisca, you know, sitting on his chest as he's still trying to work the sound and get his sermon ready all at once. And he's taking that changed circumstance and he's still working towards it, you know? So these are the different things. My whole purpose here today is to say that no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what the circumstances you're in, no matter how life has changed for you over the last couple of years, God has a plan for each and every one of us to be a witness to others, to be a representative of the gospel to others, to help people turn to Christ and live for Christ. So my question for you guys is, where is the places that God is changing you and growing you? What are some of the things that you've experienced, the changes that you've experienced that have actually maybe helped you to be someone who can represent the gospel to someone in a new way? Something that you couldn't have done five years ago, something you couldn't have done ten years ago, maybe you couldn't even have done two weeks ago, but now there's a change in your circumstances. You've seen how God has worked in your life. And maybe someone else needs that friendly voice to say, hey, I've been there. I know what that's like. This is where God was for me in that changing circumstance. And that's where I know he can be for you as well. And it's my prayer that as we go into the year, as we go into all of the changes that will happen, both good and bad, because we're all going to have wonderful changes and some changes that aren't going to be not so wonderful this year. But even in all of those changing circumstances, even in all of those surprises, God is with us through each and every one of those moments. He's helping us grow. He's helping us change and adapt so that we can represent him well through all of those things. That is that mission that he has for us. That is that calling that he has for each and every one of us. And I want to encourage everyone here that we can live that calling in this year. So if you guys would stand with me and pray today. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you've given us examples, both in the Bible and in our personal lives, of those who have 
seen changes, who have gone through changes in their circumstances and have yet remained faithful to you, that have remained on that mission and that calling that you have for them. And I pray, Father, that as we go into this new year, Lord, you would show us the places where you're calling us, where you're changing us, where you're growing us, where you're calling us to adapt to new circumstances and yet remain on that mission to help people turn to Christ and live for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think that it's important to emphasize that while our lives continue to change, 180 has changed drastically in the last five years as we had a baby boom. Many parents can't typically worship because they have their newborns, they're crying all the time, and they're trying to balance, how do I worship listen to the message, be in community while trying to not kill my baby, right? I mean, I have to keep them alive. That's my mission. And then there are tons of other changes around. As Sunday school grows, there are more people that need to volunteer to keep all those kids in check, particularly a few of them, right? That are tenacious. But you know what? In spite of all these changes, whether you get married, whether you had a breakup, whether you found a new job or a new school, or you're an intern at a hospital, the Father is constant. The Father sees us in all our changes. And the Father is with us every step of the way, as a church, as a community. And that's, I think, the most powerful thing about why the calling never changes, because what is the calling? We're called to Him first. So I want to give you a moment as we close our service today. I know that we close our services in the end and we're gearing back toward mission, gearing back toward the new year. I want to give you a moment to spend a time with the Father and let the Father today remind you that He sees you. He cares. And he understands every anxiety that no one sees, every fear, all hope. Areas where we catastrophize. Areas where you hope this year will be the year when you break through in certain things of your life. But the Father is here. Let's make this our prayer. Spend a moment in that meditation. in his hands
our service today and as we begin this new year you know as a father of two boys sometimes I think my kids probably don't know how much I think about them how much I worry for them how fixated I'm really in their lives. I'm more concerned about their lives than they are. Sometimes I wonder if they think at all about anything. <laughs> I know that many of us as we grow up, you think that you have to take care of yourself. And yes, you do. You have to keep your job. You have to repay. I'm, I'm not advocating for that. Like, there's some messages that said, don't worry, I'll take care of everything. He, he won't, not really, not like that. But I will advocate on a vertical level. You know, the Father cares a lot more about your life than you do. He cares a lot more about where you're going than you do, about what you're feeling, what you're going through, what you will encounter this year. And I'll tell you, Yes, we're called to mission. We're called to preach the gospel. We have to keep this mission going and all that. But let me tell you, first and foremost, you're called to Him. In relationship with Him. So today, Father, as we close in prayer, we become the child. And I pray, Holy Spirit, through the season epiphany, where we see in the unveiling of how the Father feels for us, we would just encounter how much the Father cares for us and the things weighing on our heart. And how much He sees. That's why you'll be all right. Will you bow your heads today for the benediction? So be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. 
be still and know. Be still. Be. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.